Morning. It's a great privilege to be able to uh, preach on uh, on Easter Sunday morning. It's a great time to be able to proclaim the uh, the Word of God. <clears throat> for those that don't know me, uh, I'm Matt Gregory. I've been coming to this church for nearly 22 years. Yeah, one of the old timers, I think, is what you'd call me. <laughs> What I, uh, what I want to talk about this, this morning is um, obviously a bit about the cross, but, but to understand the significance of the cross, I believe you've got to actually zoom out and, and, and look at God's purposes for humanity as a whole, which I appreciate is quite a big topic. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm just going to talk about that across the top um, and, and, and then just think, okay, what does that actually mean for us? Um, I'm going to illustrate that in terms of my own experience recently and also uh, somebody else's experience here. So one of the fundamental principles um, about God and his kingdom is that he, he absolutely delights in delegating responsibility. <laughs> and if you look back right to the beginning of humanity, I mean, that, that was at the heart of his approach. He placed Adam and Eve as his delegated authority over the planet and he gave them a mandate, be fruitful uh, and increase in number, fill the earth and, and subdue it. So right at the start of humanity, it was through people created in his image that he wanted to extend his rule and his, and his kingdom on earth. Um, and what we know is the Garden of Eden was a place of divine order, um, but it was all that Adam and Eve could manage uh, with their population of two. But their mandate was, as, as you increase in number, and you learn to manage what, what they were in charge of, they could extend the boundaries of, of the garden until the entire planet was governed by, by God's rule through his delegated ones, humankind. So that, that was God's ultimate strategy for humanity. Um, but there was some, there's somebody else we need to talk about. Uh, and it's not someone that, that we talk about very often, the devil, um, and I believe that's absolutely right, because I'd much rather focus on, on, on the goodness and the greatness of God. But um, when you look at the world, and you look at the, the misery and the oppression that exists in large parts of the planet, um, it's hard to deny the fact that there is evil in the world. And that comes from somewhere, and it's not the kingdom of God. Um, so if, if you zoom back to the beginning of creation, there were three very powerful spiritual beings that God created, Michael, Gabriel, and, and Lucifer. Um, and, and occasionally throughout Scripture, you see these, these powerful beings um, referred to. For example, Gabriel was the person that turned up to Mary and said, you're going to carry the Savior of the world. Um, and they've all got free will which of course is another really important principle in the kingdom of God. Every created being has free will. They can choose whether to worship God or not. Nobody has to do it by force. And those of you that are parents will, will know that up to a certain age, you can force your kids to do things. <laughs> and then beyond a certain age, you can't. And even... <laughs> Even when you perhaps slip into coercion and manipulation, trying to get them to do very certain things, it ain't much fun. Actually, it's, it's by free will that, that, that it's one of the hallmarks of true love. There's a great swung, song by Switchfoot called Do You Love Me Enough to Let Me Go? 
And it's talking about this same principle. Actually, true love gives people choice, including the choice to walk away. Uh, from the very person that created them. Um, so, so back to these three powerful spiritual beings, um, archangels. One of them stupidly made a, dis- a decision to make a power grab for the top job. I mean, that's my language, but um, basically he wanted to be God. He wanted the adulation and the worship that is only due to God. And as a consequence, Lucifer ends up out of heaven um, and on earth. I mean, I'm not quite sure how that process happens. There's different references made to it. But in summary, that's what, what happened. Um, and God's strategy for dealing with the one who wanted to be worshipped like God was to actually take back the earth and overcome Satan's dark kingdom uh, through those made in his image, mankind, to actually choose to worship God by choice. I mean, it's an unusual strategy. Uh, but the theme today is look inside the mystery. I mean, it might not be the strategy that you would have chosen if, you, if one of your created beings had chosen to actually usurp you, um, but that's, that's the strategy that, that God chose, a mystery for sure. And, and just to be clear, I mean, worship is good for us. It's not like God is some egotistical being that has to be worshipped, and if we don't worship him, somehow he's going to fall apart. Worship is actually very good for us. When we worship God and actually get beyond ourselves, we suddenly get a very different perspective on some of the issues that, that we're, we're faced with. It can be incredibly empowering. It's also very joyful and uplifting as we realize um, just who God is. Um, and I'd much rather become like God. Um, and what we know is we all worship something or somebody and we become like what we worship. There's certain people I meet and I can tell just from looking at them and just the sense I get of them that they're worshipping something that's really unhealthy for them. I don't know if you sort of see that sometimes. You just meet people and you get a sense you're involved in something, you're worshipping something that is not good for you. I can often tell, just, just, just from the sense I get from people who are tied up in pornography, because there's something about them that looks unhealthy, because they're worshipping something that's, that's unhealthy. Um, so when we worship God, we actually become more like him. It's good for us. It's in our own interests. And um, let me just say, I, I, I'm so grateful to, to Leon for, for bringing the prophetic word that he brought back uh, at the beginning of last year from, from Hosea 10 about sowing righteousness, reaping the fruit of unfailing love, breaking up your unplowed ground, um, and seeking the Lord he comes and, until he comes, and declaring that this is a year of breakthrough. Because I can unequivocally say that I've experienced that, 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 that breakthrough last year. Um, it unleashed life in me, and, and, it, and it led to a big shift. And one of those shifts was that I, I guess in the whole of my life I began to become more worshipful of God. And in terms of this point about it's good for you, I actually met somebody or had a Skype teleconference with somebody in February this year. Not seen this person since 2006. I worked quite closely with him. And unprompted, the day after, he emailed me and he said to me, and this guy's not a Christian, he said to me, he said, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. You look and sound fab. <laughs> I, and I must say that to kind of be boastful or to glorify myself. But what, I'd, what I was doing was actually worshipping God, you know, being more worshipful of God through the breakthrough that, that had happened. And clearly it, it somehow impacted me. And in his words, it had a very positive impact. 
Anyway, back to Adam and Eve. So they've got this mandate, worship God, extend his kingdom on earth. Um, however, they got tricked by the serpent. And we know that's one of the characteristics of, of the evil one, is he deceives people, he tricks people into doing things that they think are going to be good, but they end up actually being unhealthy for them. Um, and suddenly their place of dominion over creation, along with the keys of authority and, and the possession of the earth, they lose they actually become slaves. And if you look in Romans 6, 16, just to kind of uh, make this point, it says there, it says, here we go. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness, and they became slaves to the one that they chose to obey. And we know the impact that had in terms of them. And just as I was preparing this, um, I just sensed the Lord saying that there's, there's, there's people here who've become slaves to things that you now regret, but it kind of has a power over you. Um, and I want to proclaim to you this morning that the Lord says you can actually be free from that today. And there'll be an opportunity for that later. So if we zoom forward, so the planet's now actually in the hands of the evil one. Jesus, God's own son, actually is, is sent to earth. He becomes a man. And the plan is that he would buy back humanity from its slave owner, the devil, while at the same time defeating the slave owner as a man, fully man, which was God's plan from the, from the beginning to actually take, to, to have this earth ruled by people that actually choose to worship him by choice. And if you look at the purpose that Jesus declares for himself and other people say about Jesus when he came to the earth, Luke 4, 18 to 20. Oops. Jesus, in talking about why am I here, he actually says, quoting from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he makes an incredibly audacious statement which upsets the followers, and he says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. It's a pretty bold proclamation. That's why he, he says he came to this earth, for those reasons. In Acts 10, 38, Peter, in talking about why Jesus came to the earth, actually says... He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. He went around doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. 1 John 3, 8, in the second part, it says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. Luke 19, 10, the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. In summary, Jesus said, I want people made in my dad's image back free from the power of sin and Satan, living life in full and ruling with me. And when Jesus rose from the dead, this is why he's able to say in Matthew 28 verse, verse 18, he actually said, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. I'm back in charge. In Revelations 1.18, he says, I've got the keys of death and Hades. No longer the evil one, I'm now in charge. 
And then he gave his authority to those of us who would voluntarily follow him to actually extend his kingdom. So in summary, what happened when Jesus rose from the dead, he says, we're back on plan A. (laughs) Ruling humankind by people made in God's image who voluntarily choose to worship him and take up that God-given authority that, that he actually gives us. And Jesus showed us practically how you can live like that. So let me be clear, God wants to give his kingdom to us. Luke twenty-two twenty-nine, 29, he says there to his followers, and just as my father's granted me a kingdom, I grant you. Luke 12, 32, do not be afraid, little flock, for the father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. So in Christ, our partnership to rule and extend God's kingdom was restored to God's original purposes for this planet. His chosen instrument, the church. His followers around the world. I mean, if you look in Ephesians 1, 22, 23, it says he put all things in subjection under his, Jesus' feet. And he gave him, Jesus, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We, the body of Christ on earth, is the fullness of Christ. And then he seated us with Christ in heavenly places, Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 7. But God raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Part of God's strategy is to show his nature by showing his grace and kindness to us. We're designed to reflect that. That's part of God's strategy. And then the wisdom of God is to be made known through the church. Ephesians 3 verse 10. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. It's through us. Um, Is it a mystery? For sure. Paul actually describes it in 1 Corinthians 1.18 as foolishness. (laughs) Logically, it doesn't make sense on one level. On another level, it makes perfect sense. And as God pointed out in Isaiah, your thoughts aren't my thoughts. Your ways aren't my ways. But P.S., my ways are higher than yours, and I know what I'm doing. So, so, and what we know is Jesus is coming for a glorious church. If you look in Ephesians 5, it says about the church that he, Jesus, might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing that should be holy and blameless. Make no mistake about it, God is coming for a glorious church. And I'm beginning to get a glimpse of that, that glorious church on this earth, broken but beautiful, suffering but triumphant, glorious in serving. There is no plan B, this is it. So how do we develop into that glorious church? Because if you're like me, you look at that, that picture of greatness um, and you see the reality and you recognize there's, there's a gap. You can see signs of it, but there's a gap. How does that, that process happen? I think if you look at Israel's journey to possession of the promised land, you see there a template. Okay, God had given the entire promised land to them. It belonged to them all at once, but they possessed only what they had the ability to manage. The expression of God's dominion flowed through them according to their ability to rule well. 
a principle of the kingdom. They ruled well according to how well they, they, they were ruled. God actually told them, I can't give it to you all at once because you won't be able to handle it. Exodus 29, 39. And there's a principle about here about how, how we have to grow into that place in possessing the fullness of our inheritance. The same is true for us. It's all ours, but we, what we possess is dictated by our capacity to steward it in the way that he would. There's always a difference between what's in our account and what's in our possession. And what we know is human beings generally don't handle power that's that's imbued quickly very well. You've only got to look at national lottery winners. Many of them, their lives are wrecked by suddenly huge amounts of money and power. Same with professional footballers. There was an article that Matthew Syed wrote in the Times in the first week of March um, talking about what happens to professional footballers following retirement. 40% are are bankrupt. One-fifth are divorced. One in 20 end up in prison. It's staggering. It's very hard to handle fast amounts of power, which is why we need to grow into it. So in summary, what does this mean for us? Our assignment isn't to go to heaven. It's to bring heaven to earth through prayer, through obedience, through embracing the, the, the teachings and the ministry of Jesus. I mean, the most famous prayer in the Bible, the Lord's Prayer, starts off, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, back to worship again. And then the next bit says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Why would he ask us to pray that if it wasn't possible? And when his kingdom comes, we actually see people experiencing breakthroughs, significant breakthroughs. Jesus brought thousands of breakthroughs to people that he actually ministered to. In the gospel, it talks a lot about about being saved and about salvation. I mean, a couple of scriptures, it's God's will that everyone is saved. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. What does this word to save mean? Well, it's the Greek word sozo. And it means three things. It means the forgiveness of sin. It means the healing of disease. It means the deliverance from torment. All of those things encapture the salvation. It's a bit like the word shalom from from the Hebrew scriptures. When I I was preparing this, I had a sense, just in terms of this forgiveness of sin and the deliverance from torment, he told me there's, there's, there's somebody here that's actually taken, in, in their life, they've ta- physically taken another person's life, which is obviously a fairly horrendous thing to do, and you can't find peace as a consequence. And the Lord said, if, if you believe that when I died, I actually paid the price for you, you can know peace and complete freedom from that torment. And then Jesus gives us this authority to to continue his work on earth. That's our purpose, to extend his kingdom on earth. Personally, following that that prophetic word that Leon brought and through the teaching of this church, um, I began to go through a process last year of beginning to to see the purpose and the calling of the the kingdom of God. I was also... um, I did this 40-day daily devotional and journal when heaven invades earth over about 80 days. Um, so <laughs> um, and it's essentially just exploring what it means to, to, to be 
um, the carriers of, of God's, God's kingdom on earth. And of course, it's talking about this picture, whereas the reality of my life was there. And, and increasingly, I felt this, this, this tension building inside me because what I was experiencing wasn't what I was seeing was possible. And of course, the risk is, and I realized what I'd done for a number of years was actually dumb down what I expected to make it more comfortable to live in the way that I was living with what I was seeing. But this process actually created that gap and there was this sort of growing um, frustration um, in, inside of me. And um, I mean, what I found interesting, there's a quote here from a guy called Steve, Steve Backland who's written a lot about hope and joy. And he says this, he says, the question of the hour is not, Lord, tell me what to do, but Lord, tell me what to believe. I declare you are one belief away from a tipping point in your life. And the reason I share that is because what I've realized is in the kingdom, transformation and change can happen very quickly when you start believing something different which was kind of my experience. I was, I was beginning to, I mean, there was a period of frustration. And then on the 27th of May um, last year, Leon was preaching, and, and I don't know if you remember, he, he actually brought a prophecy. He actually held up his jacket, and he said, there's people here, he said, that are like this jacket. There, there's a shape, but it's empty, and, it's, and, and you feel powerless and worthless. He said, if that's you, come to the front, and we'll pray for you. And... Um, it was like there was an explosion of resonance in, inside of me because I knew that was exactly where, where I was at. And um, so I came forward. I mean, it wasn't a case of, well, you know, will I, won't I, is anyone looking? It was like I had no, it was like I was just compelled to get forward and to respond to that, that kind of prophetic word. And um, Mark, Mark Village from, from the ministry team prayed for me. And, and he said this, he said, well, he prophesied over me. He said, he said, God will take you to a deeper level, but there's a cost involved. The question is, are you willing to pay it? And you know what it is. And it really resonated with something that I'd, I'd read in here where, where Bill Johnson says, he said, hidden sin is the Achilles heel of the church in this hour. It's kept us from the purity that breeds boldness and great faith. And that kind of resonated with me as well. And, and for me, the cost I knew instantly was two things. Number one, it was alcohol and my relationship with it. I knew that I was too dependent on it. And secondly, it was a question of would I stand for Christ in a business environment that is often strongly hostile to Christ and, and Christians and be willing to put my reputation on the line? And I said yes to both those things. Um, and I saw some immediate progress. My intimacy with God increased. Um, I began getting a lot more prophetic words for people. I felt God prompting me to do a lot more things just in the normal run of life. And initially, things improved with alcohol. I set new standards for myself. But after a month, I began to blur those standards. I began to deceive myself and come up with reasons why I didn't need to keep to those standards that, that, that I'd set. And in the 48 hours leading up to the um, Sunday, the 22nd of July, I felt the Holy Spirit convict me four times on different occasions saying, your relationship with alcohol is a problem in your relationship with me. What are you going to do about it? Who are you going to worship? 
um, and it got increasingly uncomfortable. And I came to the nine o'clock service here in the morning and, and the fourth one uh, that really hit me, um, Leon was preaching and he said, life's too short to live with unplowed ground, i.e. to be defined by your baggage. And I took a decision there and then to actually go alcohol-free. Uh, that was for me, by the way. I'm not, I'm just, just to be absolutely clear, I don't have any problem with people drinking alcohol in moderation. Um, I'm not saying it's for you, it's for, it's for, it's for me. Um, and I had a really strong sense that because there was just so much more for me in God in terms of the purposes of his kingdom, of extending God's reign on earth, actually, it just didn't seem worth it to suddenly be hamstrung by something like alcohol. Um, I mean, I've done effort and self-discipline. And, and people, people I know tell me I'm quite good at it. But what I've realized is that freedom from things that we struggle with is comparatively easy when you get a picture of, of God's purpose and plan for you in actually extending his kingdom. Because it's just so much greater. In fact, it's interesting. I came across this book... Um, it's called Eyes of Honor, Training for Purity and Righteousness. The guy's a Christian, he's married. He talks about his 12-year journey with addiction to sex. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't with his wife. Um, and he tries loads of different approaches to get himself free, to get a breakthrough. And no, uh, some of them help him to manage it and contain it, but none of them set him free. And he basically comes to the same conclusion. It's only when, you, when he realized who he was in Christ and the purpose that Christ has had for his and every believer's life, that suddenly he realized and found the power to actually break free from it. Bill Johnson says, passionate people do things easily that a disciplined person can do only through effort. Passion makes discipline pleasurable. <laughs> um, but I began to, 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 to find that, that that was my experience. And when I was preparing this and uh, I, I felt the Spirit saying that, that there's people here who've lost their perspective on their role in advancing God's kingdom. And they've allowed themselves to get stagged up by unhealthy habits. And it's holding you back. And the Lord says to you, you can have a breakthrough with that today. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17 So I had the breakthrough, the one that we've been singing about through the power of Christ. I, I know that Jesus is the God of the breakthrough, of setting people free. I, I believe today, if you're looking for a breakthrough, what better day than Easter Sunday to actually step in and to have that breakthrough? And what I've realized is that most breakthroughs, God, in, in, in terms of how they happen, God involves his people in making them happen. We're involved. And what I've also realized is there is just tremendous joy when you get involved in actually ministering God's breakthrough to people and being involved in it. I mean, it was, it really, <laughs> it was really bizarre when I was preparing this message about breakthrough and about what salvation means. I got a Tesco delivery order booked uh, Thursday. The guy turns up 10 o'clock in the morning, he's carrying the crates through to my kitchen. And I'm not joking, about five times he must have said, my back is killing me, oh, it's really painful. And I'm kind of thinking, <laughs> I've been talking about breakthrough, that salvation is about freedom, you know, breaking through, experiencing healing. Jesus did it. 
Um, and it's interesting, one of the verses that's become really key for me, and I'm kind of growing into it, is Proverbs 28, verse 1. It says, the wicked man flees, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I just, five times he says, yeah, my back's killing me, I've got a whole day of work ahead. So in the end, I said to him, I said, look, we're Christians. Uh, you know, we believe that Jesus still, still heals today. Uh, and funny enough, I texted Tim, Tim Jones in the morning because I went surfing for a, for, a, for a week with Tim and Dave Austin and, and, and some of our kids. And, and we prayed for Tim, Tim's ankle because it was, it, it was really hurting him following a sledging industry, um, injury earlier in the year. Um, and when he jumped on the board with 16-foot waves crashing on top of him. It was quite painful, surprisingly. And <laughs> so, so we said, Dave, Tim, can we pray for you? And we prayed for him, and, and, and it significantly improved. And I just wanted to ask Tim how, whether it had completely improved, how was it, and it got worse. Um, so I pulled out my phone and sort of just read this text to this guy. I said, would you like us to pray for you? He said, yes, please. So, <laughs> so I prayed for him just, just really quickly, just... just um, commanded his back to be better in the name of Jesus. I said, you, did you feel anything? He said, no, nothing. I said, would you mind just, just trying to do something you couldn't do? And he said, well, if I bent down, it would, it would kill me. And this guy, he bent down, touched his toes, which I can't do, and he bent round. <laughs> he bent round, and he looked at me, his face alight. He said, how did you do that? <laughs> I said, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. <laughs> it's like, oof. Yeah, God is the God of the breakthrough. Um, I mean, it's interesting. One of the, one of the areas that I, I personally was feeling frustrated, I thought, how does this play out in a work environment, in a business environment? Because um, I was seeing very little of, of this kind of thing flowing in the spirit in a work context. And it was really frustrating me. Um, I mean, I've got one eye on the clock, so I'm just going to abbreviate this story. But out of the blue, a client of mine, because I'm self-employed, run my own leadership development consultancy, emailed me. Um, I mean, this is somebody that had worked for me. was quite anti-God. And it basically said, um, just to give you an update, my husband is, uh, is seriously ill. He's got this condition. They can't do anything for him. It's basically wrecked our lives. Um, please pray. Would you pray for me? Which kind of surprised me. Um, and... Back to that verse from Proverbs. I just felt this boldness kind of rise within me. And I emailed her back. I said, I will pray for you. Told her a bit about the journey I've been on. And so I, said, I believe that God still heals people today. I said, would you like me to actually come down and pray with your husband? Thinking this could blow the relationship. Um, and it's been a client for six or seven years. So it was an important relationship. But I just felt it was the right thing to do. Uh, and within seconds, she emailed me back and said, thank you so much for your kindness. I'd love you to come down. At which point I thought, oh, flipping act. Hope <laughs> 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 God shows up. And at which point I phoned Mike Harris as well and said, Mike, guess what I've just done? <laughs> I said, would you be willing to come with me? And he said, yeah, of course I will. Um, and we went down and prayed for them. Um, I have to say they weren't healed. He, he wasn't healed. But they both became Christians there and then. Um, and I acknowledge Mike for his boldness in actually making that happen. Um, Mike went back down and prayed with them two more times. On Thursday night, we went back down again um, and, and, and prayed, prayed for him. And at this point, there's been no serious breakthrough. But we did pray for the person that was my client, um, who was filled with the Spirit and, and spoke in tongues. 
Now, if you'd said to me 18 months ago, you will be praying for a client who's anti-God and they'll be filled with the Spirit, become a Christian and speaking in tongues, I'd have laughed at you. But I'm realizing God is the God of the breakthrough. You've heard me talking a bit about, I suppose, my experience of, of some of my um, breakthroughs. I'm sure you've got a lot of stories that you could tell of, of some of the breakthroughs that you, you've experienced. Um, I've actually asked one person um, to, 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 who's recently become a Christian j- just to come up. Rob, yeah, if you want to come and join me. I've had the pleasure of meeting Rob Gibson um, through, through working with Simon Woodward. We've met the last few Fridays, pray together. Um, I know you've experienced a couple of breakthroughs. I know you're nervous. Yeah, very, you're t- very, very nervous. <laughs> so thanks for coming up. Do you want to quickly tell us how you became a Christian? Um, about four and a half years ago, I recovered from a, a serious drug addiction. And um, since then, I've been trying to fill the gap left by that with various things, women, drinking, um, just all sorts of the wrong stuff. I hit a bit of a rock bottom last year. I lost my job, I split with my partner, and it all got a bit tough. Um, a Christian friend of mine, I said to him, you know, what can I do? You know, I'm feeling terrible. And he said, just try praying, just try, try giving one day over to a higher power and look for the signs. So I did, and everything in that day just pointed to there being something more. Um, I started going to the Church of England church in Hales Owen and and felt something there. And then through my work, I was brought here to set up a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. And um, it's just snowballed. Someone had said to me, go on the Alpha course. And on the same day that I came here to set up the Narcotics Anonymous meeting, they said there's one starting next week. So that was another sign. Um, so so I, just, I went on that. And, um, and through that, I've, I've given my life to God. I've given my life to Christ. And Robert, I know through just having the pleasure of talking with you and you know with Simon Woodward um, that you've experienced some a number of breakthroughs that I've been talking about. Do you want to just share one or two quickly? Um, it's it's not just a couple of things. It's you know my, my whole life's changed. My whole my whole way of thinking, my whole outlook, um, my relationships with people. Um, I, th- I think the things that, that Matt's referring to is um, I had some healing on the on the healing day of the Alpha course to stop smoking, and and I did just just straight from that it was it was incredible. Um, just to yes. say, I met Rob the week before that, and he was anxious, and you were kind of a bit stressed about <coughs> it. You weren't drinking coffee in case the nicotine triggered you I mean yeah it, it was hard work wasn't it it was yeah I was, I was, I was sweating from it trying to do it on my own strength quite literally <laughs> but, but I've, I've just realised that the more the more things I give over to God and the, the more I let go the more he does for me and the more things he'll take he'll take on for me and I can do it in his strength instead of mine and it's incredible um, you know the, the other thing is like, I work now with people with substance misuse problems and the Seeing the power of prayers, the other big transformation in my life. We've got a client who's, who's got serious anger, and every time I'm around him, I feel anxious. And I've asked Matt and Simon to pray about it. And the next time I saw him after, the guy was placid and calm, and I was praying as I was in the room with him, and it kept him calm. It's incredible. Rob, Amen. thank you very much. Let's give our round of applause.
Bless you, mate. Thank you. So just in drawing things to a close, I mean, you've, you've heard about different people's breakthroughs. Rob's, mine's, this client that I prayed for um, with, with Mike. I mean, hopefully you've got, this, got the sense God is the God of the breakthrough. It's at the heart of the Easter message. I mean, the disciples were devastated, obviously, when Jesus died. There was a breakthrough that they couldn't imagine, despite Jesus having told them many times. I mean, right now, there's going to be an opportunity, if, you, if you're looking for a breakthrough, to actually enjoy one. When I was preparing this, this, this message, God said to me, he said, if you proclaim my word, I'll back it up with action. It was interesting. I was praying with two people on Monday. Um, one of them actually prayed almost that exact same prayer. And somebody else said, as we're praying, I just felt God say that if you proclaim his word, he'll back it up with action. So, okay, maybe God's trying to, trying to say something. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the ministry team if, um, to, to, to come forward, if you're on the ministry team. And what I'm going to ask is if, if you're a member of the ministry team, and you feel confident in praying for people that are sick or unwell and, and bringing God's healing, I'm going to ask you if, if, you, if you can stand up this end of, of the platform. And um, as we start playing the music, um, if you're looking for a breakthrough, I'm just going to invite you to, um, to, to come forward. Um, if the breakthrough that you're looking for is with a sickness or a, or a physical condition that you've got. If you can wander down to some of these guys here who are confident and skilled in praying for the sick, that would be helpful. If it's anything else, then then come and grab one of these people. I mean, some of the things that, that I'm thinking of, you know, in terms of breakthroughs you might be looking for, it might be in terms of your circumstances. You might need a financial breakthrough. It might be a relationship breakthrough that, that you're looking for. I believe that you can have that this morning, or at least you can, yeah, that can start. It might be a habit that you know is unhealthy for you. It's got power over you, and you want a breakthrough with that. You want freedom from it. It might be the level at which you're relating to God. You're just frustrated. You know there's more. You want it. You're not breaking into it you come forward it would be our pleasure to to pray for you and to proclaim that breakthrough over you it might be that you're not a Christian and you're thinking what right do I have I'm not even a Christian to claim a breakthrough what I'd say to you is most of Jesus' ministry on earth was to people that weren't religious if you need a breakthrough and you're not a Christian you're an ideal candidate God would love to show you his his love and kindness it might be that you think, I've heard enough. I actually want to follow Christ. Come forward. We'd be happy to, to pray for you and to, and to proclaim that breakthrough in your life. So as we start just, just worshipping God, um, if you know that, that, that there's something you want to break through in, just come forward. It'll be our pleasure to pray for you. Thank you.